Welcome back to the Daily Hype Podcast. Do you know how long I've been waiting to say that? I love saying that. I love doing this podcast for you guys. It's really exciting. 2021 is going to be awesome for this podcast. A, we have new cover art coming out. We have new Q&A style episodes coming out in kind of like interview format. We have another kind of episode launching that I literally have never even heard of existing that I'm really pumped about. But I wanted to kick off the year with kind of going back to the top 10 episodes. If you've heard these before, it's going to be great to hear them again is part one. But also 30,000 people listened to the podcast last year. Like that blows my mind. The fact that I started a podcast in the middle of quarantine and it blew up as much as it did. I mean, that is astronomical growth. 30,000 people in a year. A lot of people have to wait two, three years to get that kind of hit, that kind of um, consistency. So I truly thank you guys for all the feedback that you've given me every time that you send me a message and tell me that you love the podcast, every time that you reach out to me and tell me that this is, you know, changing your morning or changing how you think. I mean, it just, it is everything to me. And I really, really mean that. I'm not saying that to be cheesy. I mean that. So in January, before we get into all the fun new stuff that's coming our way in 2021, let's kind of take it back because some people joined us in, oh, wow, just totally had like a cough there. Um, Some people joined us in August. Some people joined us in October. Some people joined me last week, right? So if you're new to the podcast, then you're, you maybe have missed some of the best episodes of 2020. So let's go back. We're going to do the top 10 episodes all throughout the month of January. And today starts with what I did well and what I did poorly in my first six months of business. Now, if you're not an entrepreneur, this stuff applies also to the skills and tasks that you can bring into your full-time job in some capacity, I assure you. So tune in, listen to what I did well and poorly in my first six months. I'm somebody who gives away every secret I possibly can. So if you are an entrepreneur, I would get a notebook out and I would start taking some notes. Okay, tune in and I will see you guys soon. Welcome to the Daily Hype Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Pollard, and I am recording live for the first time in my Facebook group. I haven't talked much about my Facebook group, but it's basically my tiny little corner of the internet for VIP clients of mine, people who have um, bought high-level services from me, so a one-day intensive, a one-month service, a quarterly service, whatever that is. So we are here i'm just getting set up to talk today about what i have done in the past six months of my business that have been phenomenal for me and what i've done in the past six months in business that have been not so great for me so i know that everybody here is kind of interested in understanding what i could have done better what i wish i had done better etc etc so I am just getting set up really quickly. I wish that there was a way I could do, do, do. Okay. I don't know who is on. So while we're going, if you want to like leave a comment and say hi, for some reason, I would think that I could see who is on, but I guess I can't. So hi guys. 
Okay. Do, do, do. Great. Okay, so let's get started. So I'm Ashley Pollard. Everyone in my Facebook group knows that. If you're listening to the podcast, which I have recording right here, then I'm Ashley Pollard. I am a digital entrepreneur and consultant. I had lost my job in 2020, as many people did, and I was working in the fashion industry for 10 years. I worked with some of the biggest brands in the industry, from Rebecca Minkoff to Prada to Gucci to Kendall and Kylie, Hunter Boots, BCBG. I've kind of done a little bit of everything. And what I have always done outside of that is I had a blog that was really popular, but I also had many different small businesses that I was consulting on. So I knew that I could go into that full time once I lost my job in March, like so many of us did. So I veered off, I created my digital entrepreneurship business. I started consulting full time. If I'm looking to the side, it's because I have my notes here and I wanna make sure I'm checking in. Um, but I started by staying in the fashion industry. I helped a lot of brands go remote. And while I was doing that, I was really building for this small business entrepreneurship kind of segue that I really wanted to take. So I knew that I wanted to help small businesses. I knew that I wanted to help you guys really grow as quickly as possible. And I've had a really phenomenal six months. I have actually recouped the salary that I made in 2019, which is phenomenal and a huge accomplishment for me. It was not what I was expecting. There were some things that I think I did accidentally really well. There are also some things that I took from the fashion industry. It's a very cutthroat, difficult industry to be in in New York City. So there's a lot that I brought to the table that actually was helped very helpful for me to grow really quickly. So I kind of want to go through six things that I think I did phenomenally and what those exact examples were. There's also some six things that I, I'm not going to say wish that I didn't do. I'm just going to say that I wish um, I knew at the time. And I'm gonna tell you how that's influencing my business moving forward. So let's go through the six things that I did um, well first. So the first thing that I will say that I did well is I tested, 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 tested. Like I had so many ideas. And I mean, I know that if you're an entrepreneur, you're listening to me and you're like, I have so many ideas. I wanna do this, I wanna do this, I wanna do this, and I wanna do this. And I got this incredible advice, which was, you can't fall in love with a product. You can't fall in love with something that you are selling. You have to fall in love with the process. And that is when you can sell a particular product. Now, what do I mean by that? What I mean is that I do love what I'm doing online. I love that I'm helping women in particular. I know that some of my clients are men. I see you in the group, um, but I, do love that I help women and female entrepreneurs grow their businesses, but I had to fall in love with creating a website around it, creating an online community, and creating those webinars. Creating webinars is a nightmare experience sometimes, and I had to fall in love with that process. Thankfully, I did like it. And I think if you are having any sort of hesitancy or resistance in what you're doing, you don't necessarily have to change the end product, you just have to change the process that you get there. So how do you do something similar to what you're doing but change your process? That's the, a really big takeaway that I'd love for you to understand is that 
you're gonna be doing that process repeatedly over and over and over again. And about 95% of what you do will be that process. The 5% will be selling that end product and having that end product, but the creation of it is really, really time consuming. So make sure you like that process because that's what's gonna keep you in business. So what I mean by testing, testing, testing for free is that I tried all these different avenues. I was trying webinars, I was trying one-on-one, -on -one, I did this, I did this, I did this, and I am certified to be a life coach. I went that route and I got a little nervous about it. I felt a little overwhelmed by the process and so I really, diverged into more business coaching, business consulting, and found that I loved it. So testing both of those routes helped me make that decision. The other thing when I say testing is that I give anything away for free the first time I do it. The first time I had an intensive, I gave it away for free. The first time I had a group coaching program, I did it 100% for free. Square One Accelerator, before I ever launched it, was called Side Hustle Saturday. And it's almost in essence the same framework, but I had never done a group coaching experience before. So what was missing? What did people need more of? What was bad about it? What was great about it? So test, test, test. Before you sell anything, give it away for free. Now that also helps in another way where it has somebody go through the process because if you don't have someone going through the process, you're gonna have blind spots. Oh my gosh, I didn't realize then that when they checked out, they didn't get this thing and I wanna make sure they get this and this has to happen. So you want someone to go through that process and it gives you an opportunity for testimonials. So if you give three people some product and you say, if you enjoy it, I'd love some testimonials, you know they're gonna enjoy it because you make it a great product, then you get not only testimonials, but you also have some people that you've tested the process with. Great, I know how checkout goes, I know how this all works, everything's good. So number one, test like crazy. Give anything away free at the beginning while you can, especially if you're in a service-based industry. And the second thing that I did really well on the, uh, to elaborate on testing was I really listened to feedback. I listened really, really, really closely. For instance, I had a lot of anonymous feedback from Square One Accelerator. It has to be longer. It's way too fast. Eight weeks sounds like a long time and it's not. We needed way more time. I needed more time here, more time here, more time here. The number one takeaway from almost everybody was we need more time. Great, Square One Accelerator runs again February 1st. Can't speak, February 1st. It's not going to be eight weeks this time, it will be 12 weeks. I heard you loud and clear. I can, I'm fine with being wrong 100 times a day, so I heard you, I'm changing it, and I'm happy to. Um, the other thing that I was really hearing was people were saying like, there's all these group coaching things that are 10, 12, 14 weeks long, and then there's work with me for an hour for $1,500, and where's the middle? So for me, I decided, I, listen, I mean, my one-on-one -on -one time is limited. I almost have no time to really speak one-on-one -on -one with people. So, and I don't really want to be doing all these different group coaching programs back to back to back. And that's why I launched my one day intensives is that you show up for the day. We work through a process for three hours or five hours. We knock something out and then on we go. And you're not spending $1,000 on an intensive like some people are charging. And you're also not spending 12 weeks of your time when you really just have this one thing you want to work through. So listen, what do people want from you? Now, the third thing that I think I did well is I listened also to myself. 
And everybody has been asking me, teach me about Instagram, teach me how to grow on Instagram, teach me how to create better on Instagram, how to sell in the DMs, teach me how to be on stories. And I created a course about Instagram. It was my first course that I created and I hated every step of the process. Instagram changes so much. I also don't teach people to be on Instagram. If you've ever been in Square One Accelerator, if we've ever worked one-on-one -on -one in a month or a quarterly capacity, you know that I say Instagram is not a reliable marketing function. It is some tool. It is something that you can use sporadically or really smart to uh, potentially market, but it's not even one of my number one marketing tactics. I don't believe in it. So I didn't want to really be pushing an Instagram course when I didn't love Instagram to begin with. So I scratched it. I got rid of it. I stopped using it. I stopped selling it. You, I took it off my website. You can't get it. It does not exist. However, how do I still answer my audience when they're saying we need help with Instagram, but I don't want to be the one to help them? affiliate marketing. There are people out there that do love and crave and are interested in selling tactics about Instagram. I'm not one of them and that's okay, but they are. So how can I refer people to their program and get a cut of it? Because that helps both of us, right? They're getting sales from the people that really need Instagram that are a part of my community, but I don't have to be the one to creating the course and pushing something that I honestly don't care about. I'm like an Excel person. I'm not an Instagram person. And I know I'm on Instagram all the time, but I don't enjoy it all the time. So first thing, test. Second thing, listen to the feedback. Take your ego out of it. If people hate the thing that you love more than anything, get rid of it. It's never gonna do well. If people are not vibing with the thing that you want them to vibe with, get rid of it. Sorry, it's gotta go. If people are saying, we like this, but change it, cool, change it. If people are saying, we like this, but maybe do it this way, great, change it. It's a little too expensive, cool, mark it down. Like, listen, adapt, but also listen to yourself. If you're not vibing with something, change it. Out the door, bye, see ya. The fourth thing that I did really well is I did not plan to do something. I planned to do the entire process of something. And that might be a little confusing. So for instance, imposter syndrome creeps in hard when we are entrepreneurs. We are gauging ourselves against other people all the time. Oh my gosh, they launched a membership program. I have to launch a membership program. Oh my gosh, they launched a... Uh, webinar, I have to launch a webinar. They launched this, I have to. Like, it's natural. I don't know why you would not think those things. However, you can't plan to create, to launch a webinar. You can't plan to launch a membership program. What you have to plan for is the two to three weeks you need to spend on research and development, the four to six weeks it takes to create that product really well, depending on how in-depth it is, the two to three weeks it takes to set up that product on the back end of a website and an email system, the three to eight weeks it takes to actually market that product and launch it perfectly, and then the six to eight weeks you wanna to take to actually market it after it's launched. So that is a, that's the lifespan of a typical process of something that you do for the first time. So for me, knowing that I'm signing up for an actual process versus okay, I'm just gonna go do that thing. It helped me kind of stay in my lane. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. When I had those feelings, trust me, they came up. I 
keep a running list of things that I'm tempted to do because other people are doing them. What I do is I put a date on my calendar a month in advance. It's typically like the second. And I have uh, like notes. I think I just put two hours on a calendar that's just notes. I'll go to that notes section in that next month and I'll say, so-and-so did this, so-and-so did this, so-and-so did this. Oh my gosh, this thing is so cool that they did. Oh my gosh, what a great idea they did this. And then when that time comes, I'll take a second, look at it and I'll say, okay, but a month has passed. Do I really wanna, do I really wanna do that? Do I want the whole process? Do I wanna be spending four weeks creating this and then another six weeks marketing the launch of something and then launching it and then marketing for another six to eight weeks? Like, no. And almost all the time the answer is no, it's just imposter syndrome. So sign up for an entire process. Do something really, really, really well and know what the step-by-step -step is gonna be so that you're showing up ready for all of it. The next thing, and I only have two more for what I've done well, is that I was continuously learning. And now some people might say that continuously learning means that you always need to be working with a coach or a consultant. I don't agree with that at all. I think the first major investment that you make should be in a coach or a consultant to really set you up for major success super fast. That's what I did. And that's what I've seen other people do who go really quickly. You wanna go quickly, hire somebody to take you there. And you're gonna be like, this is more money than I have. This is more money in my bank account but it comes back to you. And every time people say that to me, it sounds like a sales technique. It really is not. It's just that you have the accountability. It's that you have somebody really guiding the way who's already had that success and they're able to kind of like pull you through the, <laughs> through the ranks quicker than you're gonna be like climbing up the ladder. They're gonna be like, come on. So one, invest in somebody. Um, but continuously learn. There's really, really, really good podcasts out there that I'm learning from all the time. Jasmine Starr, great, great podcast. I also love um, the Gold Digger podcast. Uh, what is her name? Jenna Kutcher. I know she can be problematic. I like her. Um, there's other really great ones. Sabrina Phillip is another great one. Um, Maria Forleo. So I listen to these podcasts and I acquire knowledge from them. Now, some of them are very pointed, so I can go there. For instance, I was looking for information on Facebook ads coming to you Q2 2021. But I wanted information about that and I was like, instead of signing up for a course, why don't I just go to podcasts and listen to 10 to 20 different podcasts about Facebook ads and I'm sure I'm gonna pick up at least where to start. So don't sleep on podcasts. Also, don't sleep on Instagram Lives. Like I've been screaming this from a mountaintop for the past two years, or maybe not two years, I don't know if Instagram Live has been around for two years, but for all of quarantine, it's been awesome to see really, really, really smart people having Instagram lives because sometimes you will join and there's 30 people there and you can ask a question and they answer and you can banter back and forth and talk to them and say, well, what about this? And what would you do about this? And I've had really cool conversations with like industry leaders that have like 500,000 followers because 35 people showed up on Instagram live because they know that they can catch it later on their feed. So I would say, don't sleep on those. Ask the industry ex experts the questions. Some people will be like, how did you learn that tip or trick or whatever it is? And what's funny, it's like, I just shot that person a DM and I'm like, hey, that post is really cool. How'd you make that? And they're like, oh, you just do this, this, and this. And I'm like, okay, cool. So 
continuously learn, always, always, always learn. You are only as good as what you're learning and you always wanna be pushing forward and pushing forward and pushing forward. The last thing that I wanna say, the sixth thing that I'm gonna say I did really, really well is that I spent on help. I spent money on help and I am stingy. I do not like spending money unless it's going in my closet. I don't like spending money unless it's going to new furniture. I'm like a materialistic girl, okay? I like I like my stuff. I like things that are pretty, like that's me. So investing in help, I'm always like, I'm resourceful. I love Google. I can find my own answers. I'm a DIYer when it comes to education. Like give me where to find it and I'll go find it. So forking over $1,500 to work with someone for the first time was preposterous to me. And it's the best decision I've ever made in my life. I actually just got off the phone with her and I told her again, all of this is because of you because she set me up so well for success that the only way was up. And we really created a strong foundation for myself so that, you know, there's a quote that I love that says, well begun is half done. And I recently heard it, heard it and I was like, this is what I mean by investing in help. If you start well, well begun, if you start well, then everything else is done. Everything else is easy. You know who you're talking to. You know what you're into. You know what your end goal is, right? I was set up from success for the beginning. So the first thing I always say you should do is hire um, some sort of a mentor, a consultant, something like that. Um, the next thing that I think you should do is hire a service provider. And I typically recommend that that service provider be a CFO or some sort of like accountant. Now, a CFO doesn't mean that you're, they're working with you every single day of the week. That means that they check in with you once a month. Where are your finances at? What are your goals? How do we make sure this and this and this is happening? How do we make sure you're set up for taxes? Things like that. So step one, hire someone to guide you. Step two, hire a service provider, preferably from a financial point of view. Step three, hire a VA. I hired two VAs, one that basically runs the entire podcast and one that kind of helps me with the back end. And that to me has helped me kind of really focus on those revenue generating activities. What's funny is what I hired them to do doesn't make money. The back end doesn't make me money. The podcast doesn't make me money. And it's not supposed to, right? But those people are doing things that don't make me money so I can do the things that do make me money, right? So those two investments um, were the best third investment for me to make. The next thing that I, would, that I uh, invested in was a copywriter. Cannot explain enough how important that is. I also, um, I think that's it. Copywriter, mentor, two VAs, yes. So that's what I invested in. Um, you know, I did not <laughs> expect immediate success and this was not immediate success. I've been working way too many hours, way too many hours of the week. Um, but these are the things that I did well. If you wanna replicate six things that I did, those six things, I wrote them out because I was like scratching out, no, that's not as important, that's not that important, that's not that important. There's more than six things that I did well because, okay. but. These are the six things that I would tell anybody to do to replicate, to take from me, copy, please. Like copy my entire process for all I care. Like we can both succeed at the same time. Okay, so I don't wanna take up too much of your time. I know I've been going for 20 minutes, but I now wanna talk about the six things that I did really poorly. And I have no problem telling you this because what I'm also gonna be telling you is how I fixed it or how I plan to fix it. And I want you guys to kind of 
pay attention to like, am I maybe doing the same thing? And also keep it in the back of your head in case you happen to do the same thing. So the first thing that I wanna say that I did poorly was I spoke to people where they are. And what do I mean by that? So if you haven't been following me for a while, then what I did when I really got into entrepreneurship was I pushed, this is how you make money from a side hustle. And I've made great money from side hustles. My best year of a side hustle, I was making 40 grand. So it's good money that you can make outside of your full-time job if you do it really strategically. So not wrong to push that at all. However, what I wish that I would have done was shown that there's more to a side hustle and um, I, that's not my passion. My passion is female entrepreneurs and an entrepreneur is a little bit different than a side hustle, um, kind of. So how I fixed that was that instead of really talking to people like, I know you're bored at work and you just want extra money, um, I started to do some internal work to realize I didn't really know if I was worthy enough of, uh, or good enough or experienced enough or something to be working with actual female entrepreneurs. So I didn't pose myself to be in that space. I posed myself to be with like, I'll just make you a little extra money. And now knowing what I know and getting the confidence that I have, I'm like, okay, <laughs> I can definitely be help, be, like, help you guys out. I can definitely make you guys way more money. So I wish that I would have um, spoken to, yes, where they are. And like, it, if you want to use it for a side hustle, cool. But like, I can get you further than that. So instead of getting them to the dream, get show them that their dream is too small and they could actually go way further. That is something that I think I did poorly. The next thing that I really wish I would have done differently is that I created a lot of really incredible creative backend things without understanding the framework. Now, th that may sound confusing, so let me give you a couple examples. One, um, first of all, I'm a creative person and I think the visuals are really important, which we're also gonna get to in a second. So. I think that visuals are really great. I'm obsessed with Canva. For me, couch time is Canva time. If my butt is on a couch, I'm on Canva. Like that's just how it goes. So I love Canva. I use it for everything in my business pretty much. That comes from a creative standpoint. And what I did is I created this amazing looking email and a gorgeous like header for my email and all this stuff. And then I opened up the email system that I use and I couldn't use the graphics that I just created. And then it happened again, where I was like, I'm gonna create this awesome, amazing website framework. This is how the website's gonna look. It's gonna have this and this and this and this and this. Created all the graphics. I opened up my website to create this website from scratch and none of the images could work. It wasn't set up right. So that's a huge, it was a huge time waste. Waste of time, huge waste of time. And I've seen it from my clients. I've seen other people make this mistake. So before you create any creative, before you create any sort of design aspects, whether that's for email, whether that's for a website, whether that's for a webinar, no matter what, understand the framework it will live in to see first what is the like grid frame gonna look like. So an A picture will go here, text will go here, and then text here and then whatever. Figure that out first and then say, okay, how big does the picture need to be? What kind of picture do I need here? What kind of graphic do I need there? Because that is gonna save so much time. <laughs> that, I mean, I've made that mistake 
way too many times. And now I'm rebuilding a new website for myself and I know better. And I'm literally like putting in blank pictures everywhere. Cause I'm like, what does the, what do I want the website to just generally look like? And then I'll put the picture in afterwards. So understanding and learning the framework before I create any graphics. The third thing that I think I did really poorly is that I didn't track my money. I didn't. And I ended up having to pay a lot of taxes. Now, granted, this is when I was first in digital entrepreneurship, which was about three years ago. And I think I owed like $22,000 in taxes. I'll say that again. $22,000 in taxes. Not a fun paycheck to get. Not, not a fun invoice to have, especially from the government. Like not cute. So don't do what I did. Figure out what your taxes are gonna be. Pay yourself a paycheck. Don't just take like a transfer. Um, figure out what you need to do. If you're like, I don't even know where to start, one, hire someone. You can. You don't have to, you can. Two, download this free website or use this free website that I use called Catch. This is not a sell. I don't get affiliate money from them. This is what I use. So Catch is kind of like your digital HR system. It has your health benefits in there. It also has a health, uh, benefits marketplace, so you can find benefits through them, health benefits, multiple different things. They have 401k, they have the taxes that'll come out of your paycheck. So anytime you do a transfer into your bank account, it separates some money out for taxes. So think about your money before anything. Like I said, the first thing you should hire is somebody to actually help you with your business. The second person you should hire is someone to handle your money. Unless you're like crazy good at money, which I mean, congrats. Your girl's not. So anyway, that is what something that I wish I would have done at the beginning. The 22 grand would have been really nice to keep. Okay, so then step four, what the fourth thing I did poorly, I'm trying to keep this like under 35 minutes. The fourth thing that I did poorly was I charged way under my worth. Now, you're probably like, Ashley, you said give things away for free. Yes, give things away for free, get testimonials, get underway. Well, guess what? I did things for free. I got about eight to 10 testimonials that were sick and proved my worth. And I still was like, uh, yes, undercutting what I was worth. Like I was charging, like my website said that I was charging a certain amount. But anybody that came to me, they would be like, hey, so I saw that you charged $1,000 for this. And I'm like, yeah, but, but you know, if, but we could do it like for $650 if that's too much. For, it's, is that too much? We could do it for $450. And it's like, Ashley, like the number one thing that you talk about is like owning your power. Like here you are giving it away in financial form. What happened is I had four or five people sign up for me for way less than what I was ever okay with. And I grew so resentful. And I just had to have these internal conversations where you were like, you allowed this, you allowed this, you did this to yourself. And they weren't a problem. They weren't problem clients, they were great. But I just kept being like, I can't believe I'm showing up for this amount of money when I have all this other stuff that has to be done. So the thing is, is that charge what you're worth and accept no's. And what I've now done is I am charging my worth and it's taken me a while to kind of get there. First of all, I now have a line out the door, probably because people got word out that I was charging so low or charging less than what I said. But I now have a line out the door where I'm saying no more than I'm saying yes. Not really saying no, I'm more saying like we can work here instead of in January, I have openings in March instead of January. But 
moving people around, saying no, referring people to other people if it's not exactly the right fit, um, because I am charging my worth, which is great. The other thing that that does is you'll start to realize people will pay it. Like the first time that I put my quarterly price online for a few four figures, I was like, there's no way, there's no way. And it was like, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, I'll do it. Sure. Yes. And I was like, wait, okay, this is great. Once I started really getting comfortable with those programs, I upped the price. People still said yes. So my point here is get confident first. And then when you get confident, own your pricing. Like you chose that for a reason. You know what you're doing. You feel good about the products or the services that you're offering. Now, you also have to make sure that it's in line with the status quo. Like I can't be over here charging like stupid money because I mean, I guess I could, but like, I don't know if I'd have the same clients. Anyway, you get what I'm saying. Charge what you stand by. The fifth thing that I think I did not do very well is that I wanted things to look cool. I was like, I want things to look cool and I want them to be really well designed and cool and have cool graphics and cool text. And I don't know why I keep saying cool, but like, I don't know another word. That's what I wanted it to look like. I want it to look like professional. And granted, I think it does. I think that a lot of stuff that I do does look pretty professional and does look pretty cool. But what I didn't, what I started to realize after I invested in everybody and now that I, my business is set and I have incoming customers and I can chill and I have like a nice flow of like how I work, I have been really diving back into education. And what I've learned in that education is that the less you design, the harder it actually is. Like over-designed actually looks cheap. Too much craziness looks cheap. If you can make three words convert a sale, that's harder than using 35 words to, con to convert a sale. And so I'm shifting now into like, how do I do way, way less? How do I use colors, vibes, photography that I actually like and stand by that kind of like feel like my personality? How do I do that instead of trying to look cool? But what do I want to do now? I want to look elevated. I want to align with those entrepreneurs that are making really good money and that need that structure in their business because they are the people that I'm gonna be working one-on-one -on -one with. I now have a product suite of all of these different digital products that I can sell to people that maybe don't wanna invest or don't have the time to invest or don't have the money to invest right now. And all of that's okay, but who I actively need to be selling to are the people who are gonna be spending six hours a month with me you know, on calls and that I'm going to be diving into their business. So my branding needs to elevate with the people that I'm talking to. My old branding did what it did. And again, I'm actually going to go into a whole podcast later about why I'm rebranding, but that's a little snippet for you. The last thing, and then I swear I'm done, is that I would work with anybody at any time. Now, granted, a lot of the tips that I'm giving you are kind of service-based, but I hope that this still translates for your business. So for me... If somebody came to me and said, can you help me with this? Yes, I can. Can you help me with this? Yes, I can. Can you help me with this? Yes, I can. And it's like, that was fine for a time, but just like when you get promotions at, in a full-time job, like your responsibilities change, I almost promoted myself. And now 
I'm not necessarily taking people when they want it. So I now fully believe in open enrollment periods and having time barriers. So for instance, I book quarterly clients a month and a half before the quarter starts. So January, April, July, so on and so forth. So quarterly clients can sign on then. If anybody works, wants to work with me for Q1, I'm booked. I'm fully booked. I have five people that I'm working with for the quarter and that's it. And if somebody wants to work with me for a quarter, they can sign up for April to start then. Now I do have monthly opportunities where people can sign up for the month, but even then I'm booked out for January and I'm booked out for February. So people can work with me in March. And what happens there is that like, yes, do I want the money? <laughs> yeah. But you know what else I want to do? I want to be really good to the people that just invested their time and their money into me. And I need to show up for them and I need to be good to them and I need to provide a level of service that reflects what they're investing into me, right? And that's what is also a plus side of charging your worth. I don't have to be begging for all this extra money now because I'm getting money that pays the bills, gives me spending money, puts money into my tax bucket so that I'm covered with, you know, Uncle Sam or whatever they call it, whatever, I don't know. So I'm making that money and I'm good and I'm a greedy bitch. So I would like to have more money, but I would have to be sacrificing the level of experience and the level of um, like white glove excellence that I'm offering these really, really, really expensive one-off services. So the biggest thing that I learned there was not to just like offer, this is again a service related thing, but not to say yes, yeah, 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 but to create containers. I'll take 10 people in this month, 10 people in this month. I kind of want to have a chill this month, so three people this month. Like whatever that looks like, have them sign up by a certain time. If they miss it, book it for the next one. Not only does that create a little bit of a scarcity, but also kind of manages you. It manages how you work. You can also give discounts. For instance, if let's say you only have three open enrollment periods for the year, so you do like January and April and whatever, you can say, okay, so if you sign up for the wait list, you get $200 off and the next round opens in January or whatever it is. So really using open enrollment kind of um, containers have been really helpful for me and have kind of given me a sense of like calm. Now, if people come to me, I can say, okay, well, this is all I got for you. So those are the six things that I did well. I tested things out for free. I listened to feedback. I also listened to myself. I planned out the entire process. I didn't just do something because I wanted the end goal. I did it because I wanted, uh, I knew what the entire process was gonna look like. I was continuously learning and I spent money really smart on the right help. The six things I did poorly was I spoke to people where they were without really pushing them to go further. I created different creative opportunities without looking at the actual framework it would live in. I tracked, I didn't track my money at the beginning and I spent way too much money on taxes. Not too much money on taxes. I didn't pay my taxes one year, not knowing it. And I had to pay $22,000 in taxes. I charged way under my worth, which caused me to feel resentment. I focused on making things look cool instead of making things look good. And I didn't have any open enrollment or time barriers. So I hope that that helps you. These are the things that I honestly think catapulted me to six figures in six months. I do not think any of these could have gone. 
And there are way more on this list that I was gonna talk about and I started scratching them off because I'm like, I don't think that crossed the line to six figures for me. I don't think that was exactly what did it. I don't think that was exactly what did it. And these are the six yes, six no's that kind of um, I learned from and I hope that they are something that helps you. If you're listening to the podcast, thank you so much for listening. If you're watching me on live, mwah, thank you so much. I hope this is helpful and we will talk again soon. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Daily Hype Podcast by me, Ashley Pollard. If you love this episode as much as I did, don't forget to rate and review. Send this to your friends, your families, coworkers, Facebook groups, <laughs> totally up to you. Don't forget to check out the show notes too for exclusive deals and discounts every now and then. See you next time.